All the music that you'll hear on today's podcast is from Pink Martini and Brian's projects and, and influences over Pink Martini. Courtney-san, Diana-san, konnichiwa. Samba wo koyonokai suru Hiroko desu. Eh, maikai wakuwaku shi nagara kikasete itadaite orimasu. So desu ne. Episode 81 of the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion and music making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney. And this is Diana. Welcome. Hello. Back for another episode. That's right. And you know what, you know what today is? And I didn't acknowledge this on social media, so forgive me, it's like, world. It's like percussionist day or drummer yeah. day or something, right? Yeah. Ichimisa's day, yeah. So, happy Ichimisa day. <laughs> In, belated. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you just don't get to the old social media accounts every day, so. But we're thinking of you. Well, we just had Thanksgiving. And I think I'm still in a food coma. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, Still coming off your sugar high? Yes. Made my first pumpkin pie. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, and they turned out really well. Good. Um, yeah. Pumpkin pie and coffee. That's, yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah. Pumpkin pie's always been my favorite, but I've never made them, so... It was a monumental year for me. Awesome. Good work. Good work. <laughs> I'm thankful that Diana knows how to make pumpkin pie. Now I can make it, yeah. I'm so whenever the pandemic's over, <laughs> get I bacon, can. Diana. Yes. <laughs> I'll be making pumpkin pie for potlucks. Awesome. Nice. This episode is sponsored by GoSamba.net. Kaishas. We got lots of kaishas. So go check them out. GoSamba.net. So we were really happy to get Brian on the podcast. We've been trying for a while and just the schedules didn't work out and, and he was shy about it, but we're, we're happy we finally convinced him to come on. Yeah, it's been a long time coming and, um, you know, he's been on tour with Pink Martini basically <laughs> the last couple of years and or several years. Whatever, yeah. So yeah. it's always hard to pinpoint him, you know, even at camp. It's hard to get somebody at camp because everybody's going, you know, from one class to another, hanging out. Um, so the pandemic was the perfect time <laughs> to pin him down for an interview. That's right. He's an, an important figure in the, in the Samba scene here in Portland, Oregon. So yeah, we're excited to get him. Yeah. He's been a mainstay at Brazil camp for a long time. So a lot of, 
Um, our friends from Brazil Camp know him. How many times have we mentioned Brazil Camp Rabakari? <laughs> You'll hear it many more times throughout this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about Brian. Brian was born and raised here in Portland, Oregon, and his mus- musical studies have taken him to- all over the world, basically. Um, now with Pink Martini, they go all over on tour. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Brian's an original touring and member, recording member of Pink Martini and is the founder of the Brazilian-styled music and dance ensemble The Lions of Atucada and formed and directs the 127-member Ainsworth Junior Escola a Portland Youth Samba Bateria. He has served on the faculties of Jefferson Performing Arts High School, Portland State, and Vancouver School of Arts and Academics, and has conducted residencies at the Naropa Institute, Reed College, Lewis and Clark College, Portland State, and many others. He has toured and recorded with jazz legend Herbie Hancock, Kalapana, Yupepo, Oboadi, Dub Squad, New Shoes, McKinley, Dan Reed Network, and the show Bataketu, among others. He has also performed with a variety of symphonies across the U.S., Canada, and Europe. His group, the Lions of Batucada, has shared the stage with David Byrne, Sean Lennon, and Fundo Jiquintao, among many others. The Lions collaborated with the Oregon Symphony, Los Angeles Philharmonic, Oboadi, and rock legends Aerosmith, among others. They are featured on recordings with Pink Martini and the Von Trapps. He has worked extensively with numerous dance companies in the U.S. Brian teaches body percussion and samba throughout the Pacific Northwest, and each summer he also teaches at the California Brazil Camp and conducts samba workshops for a variety of baterias, schools, and music stores across the U.S., Taiwan, China, Japan, Australia, and New Zealand. His teachers include Jorge Alabe, Obo Adi, Jakub Adi, Jose Ricardo Santos from Ballet Folklorico da Bahia, Colin Walcott, Michael Spiro, Ailton Nunes, Keith Terry, Los Muñequitos de Matanzas, Bruno Morais, Jorge Martins from Maracatu Estrela Brilhante do Recife, Marco Susano, Nana Vasconcelos, and Miguel Bernal. Recently inducted into the Hollywood Bowl of Fame with Pink Martini, he has contributed articles to Drum Magazine and was featured in Drumhead Magazine. Brian is proudly endorsed by LP Music. Well, that was a mouthful. He's got a lot of... <laughs> Brian has got a lot of mileage behind him and in front of him, too. He's always on the go and working. Yes. Yeah. I've worked with him in that kids program, and mm-hmm. I think he really shines teaching that age group. I mean, he talked about it a little bit in the interview, but he has got, Brian's got a lot of energy, and obviously so do these kids, and he, he's just super good at working with them. I can I can see that, how that would work really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. He's also really tall, and, you know, and, and <laughs> I mean, his voice is loud. It carries, so he's, I don't know, he's just really, it's impressive to watch him work with these kids. Yeah, and he's been doing it for such a long time. He mm-hmm. he must have it down pat, like yeah. Oh, he works for them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, they'll be talking, and he'll shout at them like, "Did you guys have too much coffee today?" Like he just like starts <laughs> yells at them. <laughs> Did you you uh, marched in the Rose Parade Junior, right? The junior oh Rose yeah, mm-hmm. I helped out with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. He brought. Uh, 
Mardi Gras necklaces for all of the kids and you know they painted their faces and yeah that's good yeah so Brian's great reference for so many people here in the Portland and Northwest area So, we are wondering, do you guys like us? We like each other and we like you, but if you like us, please support us by going to Kofi, K-O-F-I slash The Brazilian Beat and consider giving us a donation. We love doing this podcast. We love having these conversations and interactions with the global Samba community and bringing all this information to you guys. And it's, it's a huge labor of love, but it is actually a lot of work. It takes time, it takes equipment, it takes money. Um, all these things just to keep these conversations going. Um, if you would like to join our our support group. <laughs> if you would like to join our if you would like to join our community of support, we would really appreciate that. You can do that by going to ko-fi.com slash the Brazilian beat. This podcast is free and it's going to remain free, but it is not free to make. And we both understand that there is a ton of worthy causes out there to support right now and please go do that but if you have the means please uh check it out thank you and we would like to thank fritz dunhausen there in arcada for for buying us a coffee this past week he liked the uh episode we did with uh, mestri mamel from Oladum. A free way to support the podcast is to go to Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast player is and rate us. Give us a five-star rating. You can also think about your best friend you play Samba with and tell them about the podcast. You'll hear a lot of clicking and buzzing today in the podcast. I did my best to get most of it out, so um, but you'll hear us getting on to Brian several times over the course of this podcast. But uh, yeah, we, we got the majority of it out. We hope you guys enjoy this episode with Brian Davis. And now, when twilight dims the sky above, recalling the rills of our love, there's one thing I'm certain of, to return, I will. Diana, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. We just uh, have gone through uh, quite a week with my birthday and and, uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah, it's been a nice week, even though I've been at home the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird Thanksgiving here. Yeah. Me and the cat. But very grateful, grateful for being healthy and friendships and music and fun guests like our guest today. Yes, this has been a long time coming. We're really honored to have Brian Davis Hi. on the podcast with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Hi, you guys. Hi. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Actually, you know what? To start, if you guys don't mind, I would love to say yeah. um, that I really, really appreciate your guys' persistence. I admire your persistence because you have been trying to get me to do this for, what, like two years? <laughs> 
We try, finally try long. Try four years, Brian. Okay, I I don't pay attention to time that much except in music. But you know what? Um, everything. I have total respect for what you guys are doing here. It's really cool. And and the reason I hesitated a lot, and I know Courtney knows this, is that I thought you should go interview the Maestres in Brazil, which you've done now. Um, and it's super cool. I mean, it's it's really cool. And so um, now I feel like, you know, here's my little humble voice and maybe I can toss in something that, I don't know, maybe it'll resonate with somebody somewhere. But anyway, I, I appreciate your persistence. It's really cool. Well, thank yeah, you. Thanks for sharing. And whatever you're, you're like scratching something when you talk, you're doing something with your hands that's making some noise. So. <laughs> that's going to be a problem to contain. <laughs> Yeah, you need to like hold on to something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gripping the table in fear of something. I don't know what. By the way, how about those handcuffs feeling? We handcuffed you to the table so we could have this conversation. No, so would, I hope those are comfortable. I hope you're not in too much. Those would be even painful. louder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a little bit about Brian. Um, the re- One of the biggest reasons why we wanted to have him on the show today is because he was one of the first people in the United States to start a samba group, a a samba percussion like a batucada it was i called it a company because it was it was a full-on uh bateria averaging around from 50 people up and a full dance company and a full contingent of people who waved flags and uh, twirled uh, decorated umbrellas and so i always referred to it as a uh, samba batucada company ah interesting i didn't know that yeah then after that you went on to um you, you played, I mean, you've done a lot of things and here and there, please insert other things if, but just to give a quick background here and there. as it pertains to this show, you, you play with Pink Martini and you've had a Brazilian influence over that band. You also teach at CBC every year, the beginning Bateria and you do a kids program at Ainsworth and you travel to Brazil. You do a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, we're excited to have you on uh, yeah, and hear about but, your experiences. It's good fortune. My life has been a series of uh, good fortunes. Yeah. So you grew up here in Oregon. Can you tell us about tell us about growing up here and, and your family life and how you got involved playing music? Okay. So, yeah, I'm from Portland. I was born in Portland, Oregon by the, uh, I don't know how old, fifth grade. Uh, I was playing in a band with the neighborhood eighth graders playing surf music in my parents' garage. And Um, and I did that. I did that. Uh, then, uh, I got to high school and started, uh, running track and also, uh, playing in, it was the sixties. So I, I played in funk bands. I played in rock bands. I played in psychedelic music bands. Um, I did a bunch of stuff and, and part of that whole growing up, uh, my mom's favorite TV show was, uh, uh, Lucy and Desi, the, 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 so uh, so mm-hmm. I was seeing and hearing Cuban stuff from the get-go. Um, I heard that. And and my father was a retired trumpet player. He played trumpet until he had three kids and then he worked. Um, but he had mm-hmm. he had Duke Ellington and Count Basie and my mom had Nat King Cole and the Everly brothers and we had a piano and there was music around. Nobody was nobody else in my family is a musician, but but there was music around. There was there was stuff around. So um, yeah. And then, you know, just from life, I was hitting on things to make music. That was always there. Um, yeah. and, uh, as good fortune has it, I've been able to, uh, you know, to some degree shape that into like a lifestyle and an artistic pursuit and a means of eating and, uh, 
you know, it's been that. <laughs> are you are you tapping something? I have no idea. My foot might tap on occasion. <laughs> there's some there's some kind of sound like every time you emphasize a word, there's like, like a, a sound. scratch or a scratch. A scratch. Or yeah. Um, I'm not touching anything. Let's see, maybe the mic or the headphone cords in the room. It might be co- the cord might be rubbing your more than likely shirt or. That would be a nice little aside is that I grew up uh, all through all through my schooling. I was the person who would say, who would have said to me, somebody would go, who's making that noise? And, <laughs> and so I would I would stop, you know, hitting on the table with my pencil. And then they'd say, yeah, take this pen. And then I would sit there and go, click, 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 click. And then they'd go, will you stop it? <laughs> It's a it's a challenge for this podcast interviewing yeah. lots of drummers because they like to tap on things. It's it's, it's actually uh, blissfully so. It's kind of unconscious. Uh, I mean, there's yeah, there's, no, I know. There's times of every day where it's quite focused, and the rest of the time it's just like, you know, yeah, there it is. Thank yep. goodness. Yep. <laughs> that, so you played a point. lot of you played a lot of uh, music with. Like say African classes and different kinds of classes like that, right? Tons in in uh, in the early years. Uh, well, not the early years. In in uh, you know after schooling and stuff. After after high school, I ditched and I moved to Hawaii for a year, partly to mm. avoid being drafted. I didn't know that. Yeah, I lived in Hawaii for a year. I, was, I grew up a skateboard rat. I, I skateboarded to, to high school every day. Um, Wait, how did you avoid being drafted in Hawaii? Uh, well, I I got a student deferment by enrolling at Mount Hood mm. Community College. Got this, got the papers, and then ditched and, and mm. told my parents to just throw all the mail that I was getting, throw it away because I was getting all kinds of stuff, and I didn't have a technical address in Hawaii. I lived in a hammock, um, <laughs> so um, uh, but I went there for uh, like a year, um, and then then I came back. And what was the what was the question? <laughs> Um, and at this play, part, playing with African classes, okay, so, uh, dance um, classes. In later years, after doing that, I came back and went to school and also got a job at Portland State University, who at the time had a full on dance department. And so I played uh, drum set for modern je- dance classes, modern jazz classes. I played hmm. uh, conga drums amazingly with this guy, Joe Wyatt, would have me play conga drums for ballet class just to give a different sense of feeling to the dancers. And, and then in that, Kathy Evolution, who's famous in Portland for bringing all kinds of musicians and dancers from all over the place to Portland. Um, I played for all kinds of classes and I did that for a long time until they edited the department still not existing. And then after that, I got a job at the Jefferson Performing Arts High School for 10 years. And all I did there was play music for dance classes. And sometimes I taught, sometimes they'd send me out into the middle schools to teach about Cuban stuff and African stuff. And, and I was studying with Obuadi and learning all kinds of Guinean stuff. Mm. So I would put that to use and, you know, yeah. So I played uh, and I worked in dance companies too, a bunch of them. Um, over the years, hmm. which is why the element of dance was super important to me to add to the bateria. So it wasn't just mm. a bunch of guys and girls walking down the street in white clothes playing stuff. It was like there was everything in the lines was choreographed to the downbeats. I mean, everything, there was a certain amount of measures for different kind of breakies that would happen, and it was all choreographed. So dance has been a part of my existence, and I teach uh, body percussion. Uh, as well in the in the world. Did you ever take any of those dance classes, Brian? Yes, I did. 
I, Good I can, for you. I can, you know, I can move around in a particular fashion and, you know, entertain myself. <laughs> and I, I get people laughing at me sometimes. And at Fajo Night at, uh, at Brazil Camp, they always go, what is up with that guy? Because <laughs> 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 not only am I wearing a suit coat in, in Brazil Camp, but I'm, I've got, you know, like I said, I move in a particular fashion. <laughs> And he's he's pretty tall too. Yeah, you stand out. <laughs> I have I have some legs here. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell me like so you're 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 playing Cuban music and you're playing for all these classes. When did you first encounter Brazilian music and how did that like my understanding is at that time nobody had there weren't really baterias in the United States, right? Nobody was really doing this. Uh actually there was. There was when I decided that I was going to start a bateria, which happened by uh, somebody actually calling the I, Pink Martini had just started, and somebody had called our manager and said, "We hear that there's a guy in your group that had a bateria at Portland State for a dance class uh, for a parade out in the park blocks. Is that guy in your band?" And he called me up and he goes, that's got to be you, right? And I said, it is. So I put uh, just an ensemble of my favorite drummers. We played floor toms. We played, I didn't have that many Brazilian instruments yet. So some I had cuicas and a caixa and a hepanique, but uh, that I'd picked up somewhere. But so that happened. But but when that first happened, I went to, uh, before that, I went to California. And in San Francisco, there was a bateria that played for dance classes. And that's where... Uh... Dennis Broughton and Michael Spiro is, ah, and okay. uh, Charlo, Charlo Eduardo and a uh, bunch of people. And I don't know if they performed anywhere, but it was a swing and dance class. And this they played like, for that class. Yeah. yeah. And I hitchhiked to San Francisco. That was still in the days so where you could go out and put your thumb out on the freeway and not get killed <laughs> for having long hair or something. <laughs> and Brian, when did it in the timeline, when was it that you went to New York and uh, had this Brazilian boot camp that we've heard about? Uh, that was called Bongo Boot Camp. Uh, Bongo yeah. Boot Camp. Oh, yeah, That's Bongo. what it was. Okay. So before that, before Bongo Boot Camp, I was in a band in Portland, Oregon called Upepo. And Upepo was like uh, the education of a lifetime because it was 10 people who were all over the map musically. So we would go to each other's houses and I'd go here, listen to this Cuban stuff. And they cool. Now you listen, listen to John Coltrane. I'd say, cool. And then they'd go here. What about that? You know, here's some Brazilian music. And we all shared music. And it was like, it was like school. And we would. Was Brian Rice a part of that? No, a guy named Brian Whitman, who now lives uh, on Maui. Um, and he's the inventor of a thing called the Zafun. It's a bamboo flute with saxophone mouthpiece. He's the inventor and brilliant guy. I go visit him once in a while. He's a brilliant guy, really fun guy. Um, he was in it, but no, Brian Rice was not. Brian Rice came into my life way, way later. Later. Yeah. yeah. Long time. Shit. God, how do you put all this together? How do you put, how do you put your history together? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so before New York, you uh, Pepo had, we were, we were doing sambas. We did a batucada as part of our show. We, we did, we explored Brazilian music a little bit. Um, and then um, before New York too, I went uh, and spent a couple weeks up in Seattle with Michael Spiro when Ayrto was performing at the Jazz mm -hmm. Alley for two weeks. And so for two weeks, he would come, some days he would come to Michael's house and we didn't really do classes. We just hung out and played shit, just had fun. Um, and, and then I ended up from that, the next week he was in Portland. He goes, hey, you're here. And I go, yeah, I live here. And he goes, come play. So I got to go play with Ayrto's band for a, most of a show, actually. He just said, just stay. So 
Uh, that kind of started it. Then New York. Yeah. Then in somewhere in there, I went, uh, and this is messed up with history because there's, I went a bunch of places. I went before I lived in New York, I lived in Jamaica, uh, for a little while, not lived there. I just stayed there, kind of studied, hung out went to Bob Marley's house, um, did a bunch of stuff. But, um, New York was got it kind of kicked in gear because I had already heard Nana, Nana Vasconcelos. And so, and there was a big Brazilian center in an old church. And I went and said, I'm looking for this guy named Nana Vasconcelos. And this guy in the back of the church, his head pops up out of one of the pews <laughs> and goes, you want Nana? And I go, Nana. <laughs> and so that developed a kind of a lifelong friendship uh, where I spent a bunch of time there with him. I learned to play his style of beat bow, which I still play. I played it this morning. Um, uh, I played Kashishis because of him. We did a bunch of conga stuff. He sort of introduced me to Samba Jihoda via his uh, artistic perception. Um, and then I saw him again in Salvador. And then I saw him, I went to his house and hung out in his cite with another guy, George Martins. Remember that guy he taught at Brazil camp? Mm-hmm. Maracatu mm-hmm. guy. Uh, he said, yeah, I've got this friend, you know, uh, I grew up with him, Nana. And I go, shit, you know Nana? And he goes, yeah. And he, So then he went back to Brazil and he goes, I met this guy, Brian Davis. He said he knows you. And he goes, who? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> and so we went to his house and we ring the, the bell out in the front gate. You know, in Brazil, there's fences and everything. And there's this, he comes out on the front porch and he goes, BD! Because he knew me as BD. A lot of people used to call me BD. Um, some people called me 3D, but he, so he called me three, he goes, ah, BD. And then, so we hung out in his house. We went out and had lunch. We hung out and it's like cool guy. And then, you know, sadly he, he passed, he worked with a bunch of people right before he did a beautiful recordings with a, a body music group out of Sao Paulo called uh, Barbatux. Uh, and I also know all those people because of this guy, yeah. Keith Terry, a body, body percussion master absolute master amazing um, and because of him i met barbatook's folks and they recorded and worked with the nah it was kind of cool when you were doing the the bateria at the school like some of that first stuff how did you know the techniques of how to play uh, <laughs> uh i i didn't i i sort of i sort of just went from that i had at that point i'd gotten to tons of albums they were mm-hmm. albums back in those days I'm older than you guys. I had albums of uh, carnival music from Brazil. Uh, part of the Upepo thing, would we would go and hang out in the library downtown, which I don't know if it still does, but it used to have an amazing section of world music. Um, so I had all kinds of uh, Brazilian music that I'd already listened to, and I kind of knew the the where the beats placed. I didn't know the feel. I didn't know. I didn't have the balance yet. I didn't have the swing. I didn't know that mm-hmm. yet. Um, but um, I knew the instruments because, you know, you can even in those days before online, you could find books in the library and, and read about uh, the, the makeup of a Brazilian bateria or the makeup of a, of a uh, Senegalese uh, djembe group or, or a Cuban ensemble playing rumba. You could find that stuff and at least on paper understand, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So did. Uh, That's bateria, interesting to me. Go. I just, it's a lot of people start that way. I feel like, um, a lot of people's stories are they, they heard it. They didn't necessarily know how to do it, but they were drawn to it. So they just made it happen. Like using floor toms and whatever instruments, like you said, you had, 
and then just hearing it, you don't have the swing, right? But you just, well, you, <laughs> you know, just do it. The, 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 the thing with the lions is, is because of that, uh, call to the pink martini office and, and looking for me, it turned out, um, I put a thing together for the Oregon visitors association and played out in front of OMSI with the spotteria. And we, um, we had a, a lion in a, in a, total tuxedo with the top hat, but he was a lion. He was in a lion suit. And, mm-hmm. and he, it's because the people who were paying us were the Red Lion Inns. They were in with the Oregon Visitors. Oh. So so <laughs> they, they came to me and said, what's the name of your group? And I go, I don't really have a name to the group. And they go, uh, how about Batucada Red? And I went, it's the Lions of Batucada. It just came out of my yeah. mouth. <laughs> and so yeah. that, that was the start. And that's where I met uh, Andrew Hartzell who became a, a stalwart of the group. I, I mm-hmm. met Rod Blethen, uh, rest in peace, who was uh, my first certain player, uh, Rock of Gibraltar. And, and I already knew Derek. I'd already met Derek Reed and he, I'd given him conga lessons and he was, he was there. And after it, he's going, we have to do this. And I go, dude, mm. I have a newly born son. I just joined a band called Pink Martini. I, uh, I'm teaching at a, at, a, at a high school. I'm like, I'm consumed. And he goes, I'll help. And I go, let's go. And, and that's, so then it's, then we started like going and gathering people from both of us calling and saying, we're going to do this thing. Are you interested in gathering drummers that we knew? Uh, hmm. Then, then I said, you know what, if we're going to do this right, I have to know what I'm doing. So I left and I went to Thomas and said, I'm going to take a break. I know we just started. I'll be back. I love the idea of this and I'll be back. This is the early years before Pink Martini had even recorded. Um, and I went to Brazil and, um, and funny because that was your first, that was your first time. That was in 94. And and it was like looking for Samba, but I ended up going to Salvador Bahia. <laughs> so I got Samba Hege first. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So I have to, I have to finish this part of it. So coming home from Seven weeks in Brazil, uh, going to Salvador and Samba Jehoda and Cachoeira, and just which I love Samba Jehoda. Um, so I came home from that because my friend Dennis said, I'm starting this thing called the California Brazil Camp. So I arrived on day one of the California Brazil Camp and walked in. And the first person I met was Georgie Alabe. And Spyro Ooh, and wow. Dennis had said, you got to meet this guy, Georgie Alibay, come to Brazil camp. So I literally got off the plane from Salvador in San Francisco, rented a car and drove to Brazil camp. And the first person, he wa- I'm walking through the camp. You guys know where the kitchen is, right? You guys know the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy's sitting on a table out front and he goes, hey, buddy, you got to smoke? And at that time <laughs> I smoked and I had these Hollywoods. They're called Hollywoods. They're Brazilian cigarettes. And he looked at me and he goes, do you have Hollywoods? And that, that was the start of our, what to me is a, a true, true friendship. I mean, he's my teacher. He's a maestro. He's an alibi. And I've learned so much from this guy. So and much. the first person you see when you walk into Brazil camp. is George Alibi. And, and I said, oh, you're the guy that Spiral and Dennis said to meet. And he goes, okay, cool. So that at that time, Brazil camp was one week. So at the end of that week, I said, what are you doing? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, maybe Curtis is going to take me back to New Orleans and I don't know what I'm doing there. And my English is not very good. And I said, want to come to Portland, Oregon? And he goes, where's that? And I said, you, I've got, I bought you a ticket. And when he got him here, I bought him a, a, a coat because he was freezing. It was like, <laughs> this was in September. So it's starting to chill. And, yeah. and he stayed at my house for two weeks and I brought him, we had, 
rehearsals for the Lions went from Sunday afternoon to every day. And every day was a masterclass of Kaisha. And in the afternoon, it was Hepanique. And then it was Surdu's. And my house mm. for two weeks was like bumping with Georgie here. Um, mm-hmm. And then subsequently, he's been here a million times. He stayed at my mm-hmm. house. He's been with the Lions. He made the Lions happen because we had a bad mistake in that I thought it was one. That's not right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so he would he would make one <laughs> he would make one leg stiff and walk around like he was limping. <laughs> so <laughs> so that was a bad habit that I'd kind of sort of taught the group. <laughs> so it's like I learned a lot about Rio style in a hurry. Like because Georgie was a taskmaster and a beautiful soul. You guys know Georgie. I love Georgie. <laughs> That's interesting. That is there anything else that you? Um guys had been doing that was that he pointed out was not right that was the that was the the first thing because i'd already figured out how to i already knew clave from uh from studying cuban music and mm-hmm. and from Ghanaian music clave the three two claves in all over Ghanaian music you know a lot so i already i already kind of understood that you know i'm still trying to but i kind of understood that and um and I thought I was coming in right with Clave, and I and I knew that the Kaisha part sounded like Clave, so I'd, I'd kind of figured that out. So we were playing to begin with, and it's still my favorite Kaisha right is Mosadaji, and and so I was sort of in the ballpark. And and once it was going, it sounded right. Everything Surdu's Tesado, everything laid out in the right places, and the bells, everything syncopated right. But how we got in was like. <laughs> we we got in like it worked but we came in on thinking where the one was but it just right, it just right. created a new one it did it was just a call and start and we started on one and it, you don't start on one obviously so i hope you all did you, know that did you do your did you do your your i think if people are listening to this podcast they know that um one hope if, did you do your surdus like mosadaji no Back- no which i like I like Mosadaji Surdus. Uh, everybody should probably know that too. They're 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 reversed, and and I like it. And and you know we went to Mosadaji together, Courtney. I love the sound of Mosadaji Surdus, but we did not. Because and that was just because we are also using other Kaisha rides. Uh, at that point, we started adding what we called Viradoro at the time. But you know, it's everybody. Everybody plays that. Yeah, you know what the it Partido is. Alto. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, so we were using that. Uh, so we for the simplicity of making the thing stay in one groove all the way through. Um, uh, Cause we play for, you know, sometimes two or three hours at a time without stopping at shows and stuff. So the simple, the simple way to do that was we didn't switch the certain parts. Um, now, if I were to do a Mosadaji's ensemble, it would definitely be the other way. Definitely. So the whole time you were in Brazil was Derek and at Brazil camp was Derek starting the thing or no Derek was uh he kind of kept rehearsals going sort of and because we had we had rehearsals going and I showed everything that I knew and Derek at the time uh was learning how to play period he he was Mm -hmm. like he was like studying Cuban stuff he was playing Shekere like a total madman uh and became a brilliant Shekere player a brilliant musician actually but um he passed me by big time he was he he was like a sieve. He, he learned stuff really quick. Um, and yeah, that's he, what everybody says. He was also what his plus was, he was relentless. He was like, he was here. Like I'm talking about Georgie being in my house. Derek was living in my house. He was like, I was going, Derek, maybe you should 
pay for groceries. <laughs> no, not go home. No, no, I don't. No, no, no. Uh, the, the history of Derek Reith and I, in those early years before his, his uh, illness started setting in, we were like, uh, we, it's on video somewhere uh, where we got interviewed from some art, art beat, a Portland uh, art show on TV, <clears throat> on uh, national TVs, whatever. Um, and we say, you know, he's like my son. I'm like his grandfather. He's like my brother. He's uh, Derek was a lot of things. And as years went by, we our relationship got tested on a lot of levels. And he and I would fight like cats and dogs. But at the end of all that, whenever we'd fight like cats and dogs, we would go eat lunch together and go to the next pink because that's another thing in there that he ended up in pink martini because of that trip that i took to brazil because thomas said we have gigs which were like weddings or whatever and he was going um <clears throat> who could be your substitute and i go i know this mm. guy Derek, and he's he's young but man is he is he like his pants are on fire and so thomas liked him liked his playing and Derek got in pink martini while i was gone <laughs> then when i came back they said well Bye, Derek. And then Thomas, um, to his credit, Thomas was a genius too. He he said, "I like that guy." And we we all said, "Hire him." So we added another percussionist, and that was Derek. And that was you know. Hmm. But anyway, you know, we some people would go, "Those two hate each other." But we started, you know, I kind of think that we started the Lions together. I mean, I technically started it with a gig, but he was the one who sat there at the side of the stage and said, "We got to keep doing this." So. We, yeah, yeah. we did. So I credit him and miss him dearly to this minute, actually. So now where, where are we now? <laughs> <laughs> Diana, did you have a question? I've been asking lots um, of questions. You already talked about your first trip to Brazil. So when, so you said you went to Salvador first, but when was it that you went to Rio? To Rio was right after I met Georgie. When Georgie mm. came here and, and stayed here and, uh, and Pink Martini was working, but not working a lot, uh, Georgie said, you should come to Rio. I'm going to Rio. And he went to Rio and I said, okay, I'm coming. And I went there and he picked me up at the airport. And the first thing he did is he said, sit down. I go, what? And he goes, take your socks off now. Cause I had, <laughs> I had tennis shoes with socks and short pants. And he goes, you got to get rid of the socks. I can't go with you anywhere. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so, and I did that a couple times. And then the third time I did that, uh, Derek and Donna Oyfinger came. And we picked them up at the airport, and and then the, all of us were there with Georgie. And did you did you make them take their socks off? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty low key with people's fashion choices. You could wear whatever you want. Their hosiery selection. <laughs> whatever it is, if you're comfortable with yourself, by all means, be comfortable with yourself. Far be it from me. You've seen me what I wear sometimes, so <laughs> I I can't be judgmental about anything actually. <laughs> How did you find um, material for your group when you were first starting? Like, did you get breaks from CDs or, or I guess, albums? Yeah, <laughs> or no. like, what did you use for material? Uh, some, a lot from Georgie. Georgie taught us a bunch of breaks. Mm. Um, and then some of them we created. Um, I created a bunch of breaks. Uh, we used one that uh, by that time I'd met Brian Rice. Brian Rice had created a break and, and we used mm. one of his. Uh, Georgie told us a bunch. Um, when I went to Rio, I started stealing everything that sounded cool, um, which is okay. It's not really stealing. It's it's the, the nature of samba. It's like the, it's blues or jazz. You take licks and you incorporate it and you make it your own. You practice it until you can do it like they did it and then change it and make it yours. And so there was a bunch like that. And then over the years, 
uh, with another guy that I got to mention that, you know, is Bruno. Um, Bruno taught me a ton of breaks, a ton. And he still does. I still learn stuff from him. Um, he, you guys know Bruno, Bruno Marais. That's a, that's another, when you get to asking me who my favorite teachers are, he's, he's in there. And he is like a walking dictionary of the history of Samba. And frighteningly, he probably knows every tambourine, the, the Zenyu that's ever been written for any Ishkola all the way back to the third. Yeah. It's absurd. It's he's, he knows so much and it's just because of his love. And, and that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is for me about Samba that Samba is more than just banging on drums. It's like, if you don't love this stuff, you're not doing it right. Cause it's, you know, it's like, there's it's it's love you know and it's music but it's love and you know it comes through a lot of hard work but you know once once you play it like you mean it you're supposed to have fun <laughs> how long after you guys got started did bruno come along bruno i don't know you know like i said i don't really pay attention to time except in music so somewhere in there i got an email one night and this, I get this email and it says, hi, my name is Bruno and I'm going to come to Portland, Oregon and study English. And I already have a job as a janitor at the Trailblazers place where they play basketball. And I see that you like Brazilian culture. And I write him back and go, heck yeah, I like Brazilian culture. When are you coming to Portland? And he sends me a picture and it's him in full on fantasia with two women in fantasias on either side of him. And he's playing a tambourine and there's a picture and I go, what time are you arriving? We're going to pick you up. And I couldn't, I had a gig. I couldn't pick him up, but Pauline went and picked him up and he became a fixture. And the first time that he was here, he was working all the time. He was totally working. And he was like 18 or something. right? Uh, he, was no, a kid. he wasn't 18, but he was in relationship to me. He was a kid. Yeah. But, but so he worked, he was working a lot and he would show up at the lines here and there. And he said, wow, you're doing this. You're taking this serious. I said, I'm really trying. And Derek said, same, we're really trying. And, and so then he went home and I said, how would you like to come back here and not work and just work for the Lions? And, and, and he said, can I bring a friend? And so he brought this guy, Alex Hungal, who was also- Oh, I didn't realize you brought him back. I brought him back. I paid, oh, I, I didn't know that. I paid for their visas and did the passport fees. And, and wow, cool. Bruno and, and Alex Hangal stayed at my house and uh, for like two weeks. And I set up workshops all up and down the West Coast where I took him around to every, because by now Samba communities are starting to bloom a little bit. So I took him around, did workshops, and they performed with us. They're on the Pink Martini New Year's Eve videos. Has the, or it's, it's not New Year's Eve. But you just see that it's the Lions are playing with Pink Martini in our DVD. And Bruno's there playing. He's in there playing. Um, yeah, he, so Bruno's another one. Like Georgie, he's been at my house uh, a bunch. He stayed here. And same thing, you know, workshops from noon on and then rehearsal at night. And everybody's going, wait, but we rehearsed last night. And I go, yep, and we're rehearsing again tonight. Be there. And and I was able to hustle places for us to practice. And it was fun. Yeah. And really. one, one thing I wanted to mention, Brian, was that um, Portland, Portland State really played a big part as far as like where you guys rehearsed and the World Dance Office. Huge, um, huge. Supporting the, the a lot world, of those artists. Yes, absolutely. The World Dance Office came to be as uh, a result of the... They, Portland State had a full-on dance department that Kathy Evolution was the head of. They eliminated it, the entirety. And so the World Dance Office bounced up out of that to try and keep some idea of dance there. And so we 
uh, I realized that I had some students from Portland State in the Lions. There's like 50 people. So I found, I said, who goes to Portland State? So I had enough people that we became a club. And, and because we were a Portland State affiliated club, we were able to access using their cafeteria. <laughs> awesome. We used what used to be their dance studios, which were kind of loud, but I sort of liked it. Um, yeah, so for a while we accessed, and Pauline Serrano was huge in that in helping grease the wheels and make that happen. And then they came down to, you know, they looked and said, how many people are students in your group? And I go, uh, none, because they'd all graduated. <laughs> so Mehmet was one of those. He was a student. Pauline was a student. There was, you know, so we got, we got kicked <laughs> out of there and I, I started finding warehouses and uh, I, I teamed up with Donna at Center Space for a while. I teamed up with Albedo at the Capoeira Studios for a while. Um, we always had a real place to rehearse and babysitters. Always had. Yes, always I, had. I remember all of the kids. Yeah, Shayla's were, kids. Everybody and... said, "Well, I can't bring my. I, I got kids," and I said, "Bring them. I'm bringing mine." And they, so everybody would bring their kids, and I would buy like a case of oranges and a bunch of crayons, and get a little side room and hire somebody and say, "This is your job. Don't let them kill each other or any of us." And so, you know, that made it so. That's such a great idea. Out. It was a. It worked wonderfully, and those kids are now grown up now, and they're friends mm-hmm. of mine. They're friends of mine. They know me. They they remember. They remember me giving them oranges and stuff. It was totally beautiful. Totally beautiful. Lucky. More good fortune. Yeah. So really, really good idea. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> one of those that, like I said, I can't say it enough. That's just good fortune. Just stuff kind of comes my direction, and it's. My favorite saying is "El nasico mabunda barada pralua," which is the Brazilians tell me to say that instead of "good fortune" because "good fortune" translates as "bom fortuno," which means I have a fat wallet. Which sounds mm. a little stupid to tell people you have a fat wallet. So yeah. um, they said, "Say the other one," which literally translates. You probably know, Courtney, and, and both of you know it. Uh, I was born with my ass facing the moon, <laughs> which is that's good fortune. So. So much of what's come my way, I have to just say, how how sweet. Thank you to somebody. So, Brian, um, you touched on it a little bit ago, but um, you said that in the U.S. people were just starting to have other um, samba groups being organized. And yeah, do you remember any of those or what, what was happening then? Uh, the one I remember first is uh, Samba Seattle that Brian Rice had going mm-hmm. in Seattle. I remember that one. Um, uh, Georgie had yet to start Grupo Hill, uh, so that wasn't happening. There was just like little kind of community groups like, uh, Courtney, you might have been in it, uh, Samba Ja in Eugene, uh, Samba Oliwa in Olympia, Washington. Uh, there were like a few different ensembles happening in the Bay Area. Um, there was short-lived, but there was like this little drum troupe in Ashland for a minute. I don't think they lasted more than a minute, but... Um, yeah. There was, what about Austin? Did you know the Austin folks? I yet? did. Jacare I, I knew. Guys? I knew Jacare. I met Jacare at the very first Brazil camp too. Um, so yeah, I knew that Samba Austin. I knew about Samba Austin, which to me and Curtis they are and Curtis too. Curtis was uh, doing. Yeah, he was doing about three at that point, but I hadn't. I wasn't going to New Orleans at that moment, but I've been there. Well, Georgie was living there with them. Yeah, that's that. Right? Georgie was living there with them, and. Uh, Curtis is the one who brought Georgie to the United States. And, and uh, thank you for that, Curtis. Um, and yeah, huge props. For yeah, that. huge. And, and 
it was so great because that that two weeks of Georgie staying in my house, his he would watch game shows in the morning, and and in 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 New Orleans with with Curtis, he was hanging out doing <laughs> workshops and stuff with with Curtis's community, and so Georgie would be like, "Come on down, you feel me." <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was so fun. It was it was so fun. There's a story. There's a story I want you to tell in this podcast about um, how you guys did. I think the whatever they call it, the rose parade here in town, and you told everybody that they needed to wear white shoes. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want you to tell that. Story. Okay, so yeah. Well, I was looking for you know. Uh, thank goodness for Pink Martini because the Lions of Batucada connected up with Pink Martini right away. And Thomas said, you got to bring all of them. I'm going, Thomas, it's loud. He goes, bring all of them. So we, we had done a few performances of the song Brazil with Pink Martini. So because of that, we started getting offered to do all kinds of stuff, uh, weddings and funerals and whatever. But, um, somebody, uh, I don't know. I, I grew up with the Rose Festival. You know, I'm from Portland. So, you know, I love the, the bagpipe bands. I loved them. The high pitch uh, snare drums they used. I love it still. So I thought, we got to go do the Starlight Parade, you know, and, and it was easy to get into the Starlight Parade if you had something together. So um, I went and got us into the Starlight Parade and said, we're wearing, we're not showing up and jeans and t-shirts we're wearing white i'm gonna interrupt you stop stop clicking or tapping or whatever you're doing typing no i'm no i'm not typing i'm clicking my fingers sorry um no. don't click your fingers. okay so uh <laughs> i came upon a, a a way that we were going to dress which were like gold sparkled vests and white clothes for that for that first year and i said you guys this is like strict we're not don't show up in in dark shoes and and um so somebody, two people actually showed up and I was ready for them. They showed up and they had brown shoes. And I said, what did I say? And I went out to the Lions. I did newsletters. I did, we had a hotline that you could call to get information. There was tons of times for somebody. <laughs> a hotline? Yeah, we had we had a phone hotline where I'd give daily updates. You could call this number and it would be me saying, okay, Georgie's going to do a class at the Bruno's going to do this. We're going to. We're going to do a gorilla gig tonight. We're going to all meet and do this. And I would send out emails. And every week, every week, there was a printed, handwritten thing that talked about everything. Wow. That talked what right. where our rehearsal schedule was, what the finances were, how much money we'd made, and how where all the money was. And every week, I had that checkbook with me to say, anybody wonders, here it is. You know, I'm, I guess you need to do that. I mean, you had to do that before, you know, the days of online coordinating and yeah phones. it was great well cell phones is too much work how can you call 50 people i got a life you know i do another stuff too i had a, had a text you text now me. yeah but not not back not then. back then i you know oh, i had, oh, I had yeah, a right. son i had a job at, at a performing arts high school i had a group pink martini i was playing with mckinley i was doing stuff with oboe it was like i didn't have time to call 50 people <laughs> so hotline <laughs> so anyway yeah i spray painted their shoes white <laughs> and and they went, man, my shoes. And I said, I told you. I said, look at look at everybody around you. Everybody's got white shoes. Your black shoes stand out. And they go, there's 50 of us. Nobody's going to notice. I go, I notice. And and that's where I was the benevolent dictator of the lines about the cut. I was the, clearly the the guy in the bottom line. Uh, there were a bunch of leaders, I would say, because Randy Gibbons was amazing. Derek, of course, Andy Sterling, uh, Mehmet. 
uh, taught classes and he wasn't really leadership, but Mehmet was a strong voice. Rod was not a leader, but he was like, I would go to Rod and go, what do you think? And he goes, talk less, play more. So, (laughs) um, it was cool. So there was a bunch of people that were my helpers, but yeah. So I would be the bottom line guy that'd say, I have white spray paint and you're either going to go, you know, I'm going to spray paint your bare feet white, which I don't recommend doing, or I'm going to paint your shoes right now. What do you want to (laughs) do? Man, I did that. I did that parade one year with you guys as a dancer. Wasn't it fun? Oh my God. That, that was a killer. Cause it's like, it was uphill to the end some of it yeah <laughs> going up to lincoln high school it was a, it was an uphill truck yeah the end was a killer yeah. oh my goodness but it was a lot of fun. those starlight parades that first starlight parade when we came i had i'd had from the beaverton school the arts academy in beaverton and from jefferson high school i went and said you guys i want all the dancers that are interested I want you to wear white clothes and then show up at this park block and be there. And I'll run you through what you're going to do. And they go, is there choreography? And I go, it's going to be on the spot. And they go, okay. So I had hundreds of painted that I painted. I'd made them in the side yard of the, where I used to live. I had a big vacant lot and I made all these umbrellas with glitter and tassels and things coming out of the top. And they were beautiful. They were spectacular. And I handed them to all these dancers who showed up from those two high schools, all in white clothes. I had pink and purple feather boas for all of them. And then I said, they go, what's the choreography? And I said, when I look at you and I blow this pattern on the whistle, wherever I go, follow me. And they would just get in the single file and we would go through the crowd and up the stairs of the courthouse. We went up, we just, they would just run around following me. And <laughs> nice. totally fun. This was before we had choreographed dancers. We had some choreography, but it was still developing. So, um, yeah. So, um, does that answer your question about white shoes? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, you told me that once. I thought that was funny that you just showed up with a can of spray paint. And we're like, and <laughs> you know what? And, <laughs> and the thing was that what I was going to say is that that first Lions of Batucada with, you know, like 30 dancers and Capoeira people. And I don't know, it was like probably 60 people in the Bateria. And when we started up, all the drumline people just went, what? Uh, I can't say it, but what? Uh, they were like in shock. Because we came out and we did like, they said, okay, time for your warm up. And all the drum, we were in the drum, you know, they sort you into the parade. And we were with all the marching bands and they were, they were blown. And then when we did the parade, we all had like black light uh, lighting all over our bodies and the drums, those little tubes that you can break and they glow in the dark. We were covered in, in foo-foo. And people, when we came down the street, people stood up and went berserk because Portland had never seen anything like that ever. And it was the most rewarding, fun thing ever. It was, and then we did it a bunch of years. And then we did the grand floral parade one year too, where we built a float with a big gigantic lion oh, float. Oh, that's right. The lion. Yeah. yeah. That was a, that was a weird one, but that was super fun. Um, <laughs> that got, Stop tapping. That, got more, Stop tapping that was my right. foot. That was uh, that was more political. <laughs> Getting into the Grand Floral Parade involved politics. And thank you, Thomas Lauderdale. I used the pink martini card freely. And that helped uh-huh. a lot because Thomas is a social gadfly and sort of boy genius. And people knew pink martini. And so I'd go, I'm in pink martini. I want to do this. And they'd go, okay. <laughs> like, thank you very much. <laughs> 
Hmm. Hey, Brian, speaking of pink martini, something you've uh, done recently when when you could tour back in the back in the days. Um, pre back in 2019. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were getting a lot. Uh, you would have a lot of the baterias now that there are established baterias all over the U.S. that would play with pink martini right at the end. Yes. Uh, actually, more than the end, they play a couple songs. That was uh, that was, I think, you know, something that I wanted to do, and and Thomas is the one who asked me to do it, and 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 so I wrote uh, charts uh, for uh, uh, Jolie Garçon, a song, and also for the song Brazil, and and then I went ahead, uh, like with uh, Austin, I was able to fly in a day early and do rehearsals with them. They they were amazing. Samba Austin is amazing. They were, they were really good. So, um, we, yeah, we added, we added baterias. We added, I think, seven or eight of them across the United States. Curtis's group in, in uh, New Orleans, Georgie's group in San Francisco, Jimmy's group in uh, San Jose, which I got to say, Jimmy's group and Colorado group, too. Uh, both of them had Ailton Nunes playing in, the, in their ensemble because he was there teaching. And in Portland and in San Diego, we had Dudu Fuentes playing. Eduardo Fuentes was playing in Portland with the Lions and also in San Diego with Samba Supersonic. Um, so we got, we got some heavyweights in there, too. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah. It, that was really fun. I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed seeing, like, recordings and such of, of all these different groups and of all our different friends across the Really US cool. I've actually just recently looked at those because <clears throat> uh, Pete Martini uh, has a new fan club thing. And they, I'm going to do a, a thing on Samba, a little couple little 15 minute blurbs of uh, video clips uh, talking about Samba in Brazil, Samba, how it got to Portland, how it got into Pink Martini, and then show the baterias that played and demonstrate instruments and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of have just been reviewing all of those uh, videos that I can find. And there's still people looking for a couple more of them. Um, and, you know, going to use little snippets of all those in that little presentation that I do. At some point, and yeah, actually, you said 2019. I was turning into the beginning of 2020. We were on tour in California when we got uh, a phone call to be in the lobby for a meeting uh, with our mm. our tour manager, saying, "Everybody, go upstairs, pack your stuff. We're going home. Everything's canceled. We're in. We're in. We're in. There's a disease. We're all going to die. <laughs> you know, we're going. Oh shit! <laughs> we got to get on an airplane. So um, that got. That's when everything canceled. Is is in after 2019. It was like I put, toured until the middle of February, I think. And then I then I came back to Portland, sat here for two weeks by myself because nobody in my family wanted to come near me, and uh, I had already a 12 day trip to Sao Paulo to visit my friends Choro uh, das Tres, and uh, and so I thought, you know, I talked to them, I talked to my family, and they said, yeah, go. So I, I went, and then when I realized that I was supposed to go on after 12 days, I was flying from Sao Paulo to Portland to London to play at Royal Albert Hall, and all that stuff got canceled. It was so sad. And and then in the course of this this coming this year that we're in now, we are going to add more baterias. It was not. It wasn't like it was a done project. It was like let's keep doing this. It's fun because you know it was. It was huge fun. Huge fun. After after touring around, oh by the way, I think you're clicking something. It's no, I'm her. frozen. Yes, yes, I'm not moving an inch. No, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah no, you're not. Um, <laughs> I believe when uh, when uh, you toured around, 
you got to see all these different groups across the U.S. and kind of see, you know, we see each other at Brazil camp, but you don't necessarily see each other's groups. Yeah, yeah you don't see all the um, definitely. Yeah, so I'm curious, like, is there any sort of, like, lessons you took away from that or anything you learned and in, in any, like, insight into, like, do you see, by that experience, do you kind of have a idea about where Samba is or these groups are headed in the United States? Is it kind of the direction in are they growing? Are they diminishing? Are they good? Are they crappy? Like what, what's your, what's your idea on that? Ah, boy, that's a huge answer. Let's see how concise I can get here. Um, by the nature of the ensemble size, it's constantly changing. Same in Brazil. There's like, I go play with Mosadaji one year and the next year you come to think, I'll go see all my friends. And there's a whole lot of new faces there. <clears throat> um, it changes. It's the nature of large groups. They change. Um, so there's, there's that element is always going to be there. And that's why I think it's crucial that baterias all have a class that is a designated, not once in a while, every week, a class that you go to, if you want to learn how to play Samba Batucada, because that grows your community. The, the other thing I would say that I see that I saw in the groups that are the most successful, the ones that run like, like a machine are the ones that have a leader who somebody's, somebody's the bottom line. <clears throat> and if it's a good leader, um, which I will humbly say in Portland, Oregon, I was a good leader, but it was because I took the input of absolutely everybody. The part of those newsletters would be a blank page for the, this week's survey. Tell me what you think. What would you like to do? What would you th think the lion should do from here? And you take all that information in and have a bottom line. Have someone that stands up and goes, I'll take the heat. Let's go. This is what we're doing. And the groups in the United States that had a clear designated leader, uh, Jacare, with, it's, at that point, he was still the leader of uh, Samba Austin. Um, he and Curtis and, and, uh, and uh, Emmy in San Diego. It's like, the people who are in charge, it makes it makes a difference. It really does. And and you know, that's that's an opinion. I understand. Could the community groups more power to you, but it's flounders. It doesn't work the same as when somebody goes, Do this. This is what's required. Do this. It makes it work. You know, that's that's what I saw. And and then, you know, like Samba Austin rocks. They're they're like serious. They they can play. They sound really really good. Um, they were impressive, and their dancers are impressive. Um, San Diego is actually getting better. They're they're sounding because the Emmy kind of took over leadership. They're better. Seattle Bamala. I don't know who's in charge, but somebody's in charge. They sounded pretty good too. It might have been uh, his name's leaving me. Uh, Dev Dev in Seattle. Yeah, he's been doing lots of the organizing. I, I think stuff, once yeah. he kind of jumped into leadership role, the thing it, it got better. Uh, it got better. Mm -hmm. uh, other groups, uh, shall I name them or shall I just shut up? <laughs> the community, that's, that's the community groups to me, uh, they're fun. Everybody has fun, and it's a good time, and it's a social situation. But the music, the music doesn't cut it. The music doesn't sound like samba. This doesn't work for me. For me, now that's where I am. My mouthy. If you want to edit me, go ahead. <laughs> I got another question, sort of going back. Um, Go. How did you increase the group to 60 people? By having a weekly Saturday class that happened no matter what. There was me. Were, were there a, was there a lot of in and out? So like people coming in and then 
piecing out and then coming back or did people stay? Uh, people stayed. There were, in- there were a few floaters. There are people that would come and go, you know, that there were, there, there were some serious musician types that came out of Lewis and Clark College. There would be people who would come in and out some, but uh, people came and people stayed. Um, and yeah, there was, there was, it, I think it was because the community kept growing because there was a Saturday class. And, and the goal of the class was not just to teach you how to play, but if you wanted to, you could come join this thing that you saw last week that showed up unannounced, all in white clothes at some public event and just went through. We didn't stay. We just went through and people would go, oh, my God, what was that? Um, so people wanted to join that fun. We got a bunch of people, Chris Perry and Jay Moore and people who just kind of happened upon us on the street and went, I want to do this. And we said, come to the Saturday class. And. And then once they kind of got it under their hands in the Saturday class, we'd go come to rehearsal. And and you kind of had to be humble and stay under the wings of the people who were playing. But it's the same as in Brazil. You go there and there's a, a Kaisha section that's screaming. They're great. But you can find like four or five people in there that are not so great. They're playing OK. They got the feel, they got the swing, but technically they're not that great. They're standing. It's surrounded by people who play great and it makes them get better, you know, and. And for mm-hmm. us, we would kind of have this graduation thing where it wasn't like a test or anything like that. It would just be like me or Derek or Mehmet or uh, Andy Sterling would come up and say, hey, you know what? That guy's that guy sounded really good. You should you should invite him to rehearsal. So then I would come and say, come to rehearsal, you know, and um, it grew the community. The community was constantly growing because there was a source to say, I want to do this. And it wasn't like running the entire group through all the breaks they already know so that the new people could learn it as we taught those breaks as part of the repertoire that you had learned at, at class. And I would, every teacher I brought here with Carlinos Pandero and uh, Georgie and Curtis and Spiral and Lampson and anybody that came here, if they were in town on Saturday, they were in that class, they were there, they would be teaching it. You know, so stop, stop, stop clicking your hands. I'm going to, I swear I'm going to send you some mittens. Um, I didn't even know I was doing anything. <laughs> I'm sitting here like I, sh- I'm, I should be tied up. That would be better. Yeah. I, yeah. We need to send some so, mittens. So now hand. I have to thank you for your patience and uh, your perseverance <laughs> and getting me here. But now I'm also constantly shutting me up. <laughs> I know. I'm constantly like, stop tapping. Okay. Right. Besides your adult classes, Brian, you've also established a junior escola that's huge, right? Huge. Uh, last time we uh, played, actually this year that got canceled would have been 127 11 and 12-year-olds, sambistas to be, I call them. Um, yeah, I've been doing that. I, w- I was teaching uh, through the Young Audience Program. I was doing kind of general music through body per- percussion. In, in schools around the city. Whenever I had a gap in my pink touring schedule, I'd book myself into some school doing that. Um, colleges and, you know, little kids. And the little kids, the fifth graders, I love fifth graders. They're at that perfect age that uh, their hormones aren't going yet. Uh, so you go line up and it's girls on one side and boys on the other, which I integrate immediately. I don't let it stay, but it's not like you get to sixth and seventh grade and you go line up and they're all hanging on each other. <laughs> it's like their hormones have clicked. So they're, they're bright little, bright little bulbs there. Um, so one year I had, uh, 
I trashed my knee in a in a water slide incident in Beirut, <laughs> and and I couldn't. And I came back to. Then they said, "How are you going to do body percussion?" I said, "I can't. I can't." So you're going to either have to get somebody else or cancel me or something. And they said, "Got any ideas?" And I go, "Yep." And I said, "I want to do a bateria." And so they let me get the entire fifth grade class together that year, which was 15 years ago, and say, hi, you guys, watch these videos, listen to this music, check out all these instruments, want to do this? And they all went, yay. So um, so I saw them in individual classes, which I still do. I see them in individual classes and get the basics and then get them all at, on the playground at the same time. And uh, So you used Lion's instruments for that, by the way, stop clicking? Uh, <laughs> at that point, I had... I have I have instruments that I personally own for about 150 people. I have a basement full of surdus. I have I have <laughs> I, I bought them for the for the kids saying and also because well you got that shed out there at the school I too do. that's like jam full. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that packed. Uh, that's still packed. It's still out there because um, I saw the kids at the beginning of this year too in January before I went I went to Sao Paulo mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks to see. Uh, the baterias in Sao Paulo. I, I hadn't done that yet, and I wanted to. And Bruno said go. Ailton said go. So I went, and uh, so I saw the kids for a couple of weeks. Then I went to Sao Paulo for about two weeks, and then came back and went on tour with Pink Martini, and then got canceled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Am I clicking? Yeah, yeah. Put your hands <laughs> in your pocket. Uh, so tell tell me about the decision to stop doing the lions like you at some point got to be too much touring with pink martini and so pretty much that um it was uh, there's so many factors that got involved um uh one uh was thankfully so was pink martini was touring like mad like mad like you know we were taking the opportunities of the world because we were offered the world and so thank god i got to see the world you know i've seen with pink martini we went everywhere so really cool but in that, there were other people left in charge of the Saturday class. There were other people left in charge of running rehearsals. And uh, Derek was kind of going into his, his illness and uh, was a little bit chaotic, shall we say. I love him to pieces, but it, was, it got chaotic in the lines. It got to where, where we would used to argue about music. It got to where, uh, if we wanted to... Um, we could argue about absolutely everything. And it was partly because he was had an illness that he was trying to uh, corral. And that we were also, uh, we did Pink Martini. We were together constantly. We adventured together constantly. And then, then we'd come home from that. And everybody else would scatter and go be with their families. And me and Derek could be at Lions rehearsal the next day. And um, then, um, you know, just so that was happening. Um, the people that were running rehearsals were kind of burning out on it because they didn't really own it. You know, it wasn't really there. It was like, we're keeping Brian's thing going. It was like, it just felt like the time to, um, and then, and I would come to rehearsals and I go, wait, 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 what was that? And they go, well, we changed it. And I go, why did you change it? And well, because it was too hard and this way is easier. It still works. Right. And I go, ah, and then, um, I'd come to rehearsal and they'd go, who's that guy? <laughs> there'd be all these new faces and I didn't know them and they didn't know me. And that's, that's not to me, part of Samba. So I want to have a sandwich with everybody that I'm playing with. That's part of Samba. It's community. So um, it just felt like the right time to change. Um, and it was, 
something that I'm glad I did and something I regret that I did. I wish I had somehow been able to Hmm. keep it going. I would have loved to have the lions on that level of musicality and dance skills and focus. I wish that was still here in Portland, Oregon. I really do, (laughs) but Hmm. I'm never here. You know, I just, I just came back. I was just gone seven months living out in the countryside in Sao Paulo. I'm just not here. I'm not here anymore. So it's hard. I'm here now. I'm kind of stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's always you do one thing and you're saying no to something else and it's say yes to something. You, it, it unfortunately opens some doors and closing doors, but you yeah. know, that's just the uh, way life it is. has been beautiful yeah. since I stopped the lines. I've done all kinds of cool stuff and seen all kinds of cool places in the yeah. world and met beautiful people and played in, you know, all kinds of stuff. But, um, you know, it just, yeah, hard, hard to maintain something that's as big as that. Um, okay, here's the example. Here's, here's what was happening too. I get a call and, I, and I'm going, don't answer it. It's 3.45 a.m. I'm in Paris. This is literally where I was. And I went, oh, answer it. And I answer it. And it's the, the road. No, it's the tour manager of the rock group Aerosmith. And they're saying, <laughs> we're going to have a, one of our Brazilian crew is having a birthday in Portland, Oregon. We want your bateria to play. And can you do it? And it's in four days. And I go, can I call you back? Give me a number. And I told him where I was and what time zone I was in. So then I did the the hotline, the emails and got on everybody in Portland and said, can you do it? Can you do it? We're going to, we're going to go play a party for Aerosmith uh, backstage at the Rose Quarter. And they said, yeah, yeah. So then I call back. I set the alarm and wake up at three 30 in the morning. And now I'm in some other city in France. And I call them up and go, yes, we can do it. And they go, we'll send you the contracts. And I go, cool. They send me the contracts. I fill them out. I have to get up in the middle of the night, the next night to do that. Everything comes together. Then they call me up and go, we want you guys to play with us on stage. And I went, okay. So that that's a different price. <laughs> then we had to renegotiate it. all of this. And I didn't even get to do it. <laughs> I was, I put all the business, I did all the business with the lights too. So I did all the business and got it all rolling. And then I couldn't even get to go play with Aerosmith. <laughs> It was, and there was a bunch of stuff like that where I was doing a bunch of work for it and not, I wasn't here. So it was kind of, I was turning into a businessman instead of a Hepanique player. So, you know, and life changes, you know, here we are doing a podcast years later. (laughs) (laughs) What's been your happiest moment playing this music? Oh my God. Or just being around it. Courtney. Move your, maybe move your, your head. Maybe it's your headphones that are banging, by the way. Um, okay. I'm trying not to move. Headphone, headphone cord. Headphone cord is touching the table some. I'm holding it to the side. That'll help me not tap because it now is a Perfect. holding job. Okay. So that's happiest, happiest moment. Courtney, please. Are you serious? Happiest moment? <laughs> I can, how can I answer that? I mean, I can give you a 10 page Top, top three. Top, top three. three. Okay, God. Um, the first time Georgie Alabe took me to see Vida Doro and all of a sudden I have a Kaisha on and I'm playing and Gabriel at that point was about two feet tall. He was a little kid doing calls in the, the thing. And Georgie's looking at me. He says, if you don't know what to do, don't play. Don't make mistakes. Just don't play any extra notes. And I went, okay, okay, okay. And uh, Derek was there too, and Randy Gibbons was there too, and we played with Vida Dodo. That was that was one. Okay, that's one of like three hundred. Uh, uh, God, uh, more recent playing uh, with I, I went with Jimmy Biala and Ailton, and we went to Beja Floor, and he goes, "Go play." 
And the, the maestro looks at us and says, Ailton says, you can play, go play. So now I'm in the middle of I, the beige floor, having the time of my life. It was just like elation. Uh, oh, God, there's too many. Okay, another one. Uh, <laughs> I, I made Carnival. And, uh, and it's not Grupo Especial. I've gone to see the B groups. Because when I go to Carnival, I go to see the A groups, the B groups, the, the next rung down. I go to the Crianza parades. I go to the kids. I want to see I want to see all of it. And so I get this phone call. And I'm sitting in the stands. And Bruno's going, you're here, right? And I go, yeah, I'm sitting up in the stands. And he goes, okay, take this exit. Get on the train. Take the first exit on the train. There will be people that will meet you there. They're my friends. And I go, okay. And so I get off this train and the people look at me. <laughs> he just tells them, look for the tall gringo. Pretty much. They the said, there's going to be this white guy in a neighborhood that he has no business being in. So pay attention. And these people run up to me and they go, Bruno's amigo. And I go, see him. And they go, okay. And they're putting white face makeup on me and they're putting a costume <laughs> on me. And they and they and I get to where I see Bruno and he hands me a hepanique and then he drags me in front of the maestro and he goes, follow and, and he meant speak, play. So I played Hepanique and the guy goes, boom, shoves me in the bateria. And all of a sudden I'm in, it's a B group and I'm marching down the Avenida with Bruno's in there somewhere. And, and I'm dressed like a clown and, and they all were, I was like in clown makeup with the costume and the whole thing. That was a moment. That was a good moment. What school was that? Uh, you're going to like this. Ask Bruno. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I know the names of all the Grupo Especial, and I've been to pretty much because of Bruno and Ailton. I visited and with a lot of them, got to play with a lot of them because of Bruno and Ailton. Um, but, and I know their names, but uh, the, the B groups, I know Estacio. They said, you want to sit in? And they were playing so fast. I said, no, thanks. Yeah, they play They play fast. so fast. I was going, my God. And they play for 90 minutes at like, oh, shit, 140 beats a minute. It was like absurd. And they, Faster than that, I clocked them at, at 157. Yeah, it's absurd. Two years yeah, ago. Yeah, absurd, absurd. Really cool because it swings, but but I know my place. And if I were to go try and stick myself in that without like three weeks of hanging with them or a month or two months <laughs> right. of hanging with them, it would have been embarrassing to me and embarrassing to them to somebody said, go play. And I said, yes, that would have been stupid. So if somebody says, go play, I won't do it until I know at least half of the the, the break or whatever they're, because usually by that point they're running in Haydu. So they do a bunch of other stuff too, but they're, they're running in Haydu and I'd make sure I know what's going on before I say yes, because. You know, How many beats per minute did you guys play with the Lions? The Lions? Generally, what was your target? Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, fast, really fast. Uh 140? No. But fast? Yes. People used to complain to me. They'd go, it's too fast. And I go, we play Samba Hege slow. We play Samba heel. We play fast. And how many beats a minute? I have no idea. I, I didn't I didn't run it by beats per minute. I ran it by, this feels good. This was with Georgie and Bruno and gotcha. other mm-hmm. people that I've seen. I've gone to all these scholas in Rio now. I've seen this. This is the tempo we're playing it at. And people would go, oh my God. What's a, what's, is he on coffee? What's he doing? It's like, um, but to me, that was, you know, and this was before nowadays you see like Talita's Vinador rehearsal holding up a metronome and then yelling through a megaphone, speed up, you're slowing down. It's like, it wasn't like that then. There was no, nobody pulled out a metronome and they just played, <laughs> you know. So fast. How about that? Lions played fast <laughs> and played good. <laughs> Because we would rehearse slow. 
We would rehearse stuff like super. You, you remember you took my class at Brazil camp before. I'll, I'll teach something and we'll do it, do it, do it. And then we'll do it incredibly slow. And then we'll do it so fast that their pants are falling off because that's, you know, it's a good way to learn. Go fast, go slow. That makes it go into your muscle memory, I think. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see who remembers what next year. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. Yeah. Uh, Diana, do you have anything? Um, Brian, do you have any shout outs or um, people you'd like to recognize? Uh, God. Or teachers. Yeah. Uh, man, there again. There again. There's like, yeah. Okay, yeah. Maestries, Georgie Alibi, um, for everything. For everything. I've learned so much about Samba Hill and so much about Condoble through Georgie. It's like I'm forever in his debt. And he's like been a, uh, he's a friend. We're, we've been to Rio together a bunch. We've been in my house eating dinner a bunch. We've lived life together. We're friends. And I, I feel like he's my friend. Um, and can't thank him enough. Sure, Georgie Alibi. Uh, Michael Spiral and Mark Lampson. And I hate to say their names together, but. Uh, there because they're two strong unique individuals totally unique from one another and and i've learned so much from them and um totally welcoming and i played in uh, all the bataketu shows when it's been presented as a performance when bataketu has been a performance uh, i've been with uh, again good fortune they've invited me as one of the players and i played in all their shows i wasn't on the recordings of course but um i got to play in all the shows so yeah those two mike spiral mark lampson big time uh i've already said his name i could say it a hundred times bruno morais um i've learned uh He's another one. He's he's my friend. We're we're like we're like friends, and and I learned so much from him. And he's not a maestro. He doesn't say he is. He he would deny it, but he's a maestro. He's he knows so much, and he's opened so many doors. And I've visited so many places. And he's the one who said, "Hey, I got something happening for you. That's they're closed rehearsals. They never let anybody come, but they told me I could bring you. And so that's how I met Batuki Digital. And and. Went to a rehearsal and I go, Bruno, who's that guy playing for Surdu? He's ridiculous. He goes, oh, he's the director of Beijing Floor. I go, oh, my God, who's the guy in Cuica? Oh, he's, the, he's the Cuica section leader from Grunge Hill. I mean, they're all phenomenal players. And and I got to play with them, too, because thanks to Bruno. So, Bruno, the um, Navas Gonzalez, I learned so much from him. Um, uh, what a what a magical character. Carlinhos Pandero Gioro. I've learned, I've, again, another person that's been in my life, and he's, he's my friend. I talked to him the other day, too. He's, uh, he's my friend. Um, and him, not parts, but just feel. You know, he is a sambista. He's, he is the real deal. He's a malandro. He's the real deal. He's not playing any role. He's not acting like anything. He doesn't even think about it. He just is. And I've learned, we've done workshops together where he's come and been my assistant. And I'm going, this is so wrong. You should be teaching this. He goes, yeah, I don't want to teach. I'll be your assistant. And super cool guy, super cool guy. So him definitely, uh, Bocahum, Georgie Alabe's, uh, one of his sons and actually, uh, uh, Pito, his other son, those older son, those guys have learned a ton of stuff from them just by being around. Oboadi, uh, God bless his soul. He's gone. I learned a ton from him. I learned tons from Miguel Bernal, the Cubano who plays in Pink Martini. I learned stuff from him all the time. Ailton, I've learned and been to so many places visiting with him in Rio and met him through Brazil camp where Dennis said, hey, I need you to pick somebody up at the airport. So that was me. I picked him up at the airport and we've been friends ever since. He's another one, I feel like. And I talked to him yesterday. <laughs> so um, he's another one. Uh, 
Zay Hicardo. Uh, I met him when I first went to Salvador. I went and knocked on the door at Ballet Folklorico because they had told me to. I saw him perform in Portland. They said, if you ever get to Salvador, knock on our door. So I did and learned a bunch with him. Uh, God, so many people. Kleber and Clayton, Batuki Digital, uh, uh, uh Batala, uh, Junior Sapayo, huge guy at, uh, part of the Batuki Digital and a maestro too. He's another one. He knows so much stuff. It's so, it's so amazing. And, and they let me, I spent the month last October. I spent a month there. I took a tour off from Pink Martini and went uh, to Rio for the month. And, um, and, and I talked to Batuki Digital and they gave me studio space that I could go in and practice congas and just, you know, stay, keep my hands moving. And every day that, where I would go in there, I'd have headphones on, listening to something, Angelique Joe or whatever, Talking Heads, whatever the day was. I was just listening to something and playing congas to it. And Junior Sapayo and Sahenio and Batala, different people would come in, and all of a sudden it was just like a, a party playing stuff. I'd show them stuff. They'd show me stuff. It was so much fun. So those guys, Marcio Peters, Wag the Groove, I've learned tons from them. Curtis Pierre, how can I not mention Curtis? Uh, Alex Hangal, Hudson Hangal, his brother. God, there's like I could go on for like an hour. There's so many people that have been so <laughs> nice to me, you know, and and kind of welcome me into their worlds. And it's just because I'm tall. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why, but good fortune. Well, you, Brian, you 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 approach life in this really open way. I feel like you're you're open to people, and and uh, I think that's I'm. A- that's that's caused a lot of doors to open to you because you you just are are genuinely you're tend to be genuinely curious and just sort of open to open to things. So I think that's I think it's that. Um, if I'm going to be self reflective here, it's 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 not courage. It's foolhardily jumping in wherever I feel like <laughs> it. it where seriously, and because I always figure that it's uh, I would much rather the the walk of shame. Like if somebody looks at me and says, get out of here, it's easier for me to go, okay, sorry. And walk away. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I'm, I'm humble enough that if somebody looks and goes, ha ha, I don't care. I really don't care. I'm, I'm going to go try. And so there's that there's curiosity. There's kind of, it's not courage. It's just like stupid. I just jump in, you know, I got some great gigs in life. Um, a certain jazz pianist happened because I just went for it on a table full of a percussion. And when he came into a studio where I was recording and said, want to do that on my CD? And I went, yep. <laughs> and it, you know, just taking the jumps, just uh, don't be afraid to jump. That's, that's what I feel. And do it like you mean it, you know, do it with love, do it like you mean it, you know, and then have fun doing it. That's so that maybe, maybe that comes out. I don't know. Good fortune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that, that we haven't asked you that you would like people to know? Uh, uh, what's my favorite color? No, that doesn't count. Um, uh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know why you guys are talking to me in the first place, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, I do, I've done what I've done. I do a lot of stuff, and I've, you know, um, I've definitely loved Samba, but I'm, I'm no authority. I don't put myself in the place of that. I think that people that you guys are interviewing those are the people that are the authorities and i go to them and a bunch of them become friends just because of you know life you know we play music but then we go hang out you know and it's uh, and then friendships develop but those are the guys i'm, I'm just 
this person who absolutely loves Brazilian culture and Brazilian music. We're talking about Rio Samba most of the time here, but I've been to Recife. I love Maracatu. I don't play it much in Portland, but I love it. Um, I love Samba Zihuahua. We always show up for the, for the parade, though. We always see Yeah, it. I come. I'm supportive. <laughs> I, I show up in my bicycle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I love I love capoeira. I, I I'm familiar with all the capoeira scenes pretty much on the West Coast. Cause, you know, because I, I can't do capoeira because of you guys know why, and we don't need to get into why that. But my back doesn't bend that way. <laughs> so, um, but I play beat 'em up. So uh, I jump in those communities. Um, I love samba hege. Um, Marcio Peters and Wag de Groove has shown me cool stuff. I've learned a bunch about that. I love it. I've been to Salvador a few times. I love samba hege. Um, <clears throat> The only problem with Salvador is I'm, I'm because it's all in the street. I'm like a walking ATM machine. <laughs> right. they, they seem to they seem to want to come up to me, so I know to never have anything. I just look at them and go nada, <laughs> you know, just like empty my pockets and go. I'm smarter than that. I don't have anything. I don't have anything on me at all. I have my pants. You want my pants? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just said, that, I was going to just add that the way that I've gotten away with that since those early days of going to Brazil is I, I don't wear Nikes. I don't wear nice clothes. I don't wear, I go buy Brazilian jeans and Brazilian old ratty old tennis shoes. And I, I don't, I don't dress up. I, I try and be humble, you know, because my pink martini world is foo-foo. So I'm in that world and, and my world in Brazil is be humble. You know, so I, I wear Brazilian clothes. I fit in a little better. My blue eyes give me away, but you know, in my height, I stick out. <laughs> right, right. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on and sharing your story with us. It's uh, yeah, it's nice to get a chance to chat. Thank you, thank you. Thank I you. hope it's of some uh, some value to anybody. I hope that something whatever I've said is you know not silly and whatever. <laughs> And that was Brian Davis's story. If you want to learn more about him and Pink Martini and Lions of Batucada and all of those things, you can go to our website, thebrazilianbeat.com, and you can see find Brian's episode there, episode 81, and we'll have all the links to his, his social media and, and everything that he does up there. So we wanted to... Um shout out a couple folks um we wanted to shout out the folks at samba singapura uh who have we've been kind of conversing with on uh instagram uh they've been liking our posts and we've been liking their posts and uh uh i think courtney had a a class with one of them right yeah i think oh, i think one of them's in rob's class rob akari's class he's been doing with imperatrice yeah so they've been uh they're great um they're a great follow on Instagram, so um, we'll put they their... They post lots of cool stuff, yeah. Yeah, so we'll uh, repost their um, IG. We have a huge shout-out to Hiroko. You heard her at the top of the episode giving her little blurb for us. If you guys are listening to the podcast from around the world, please send us audio of you saying I, your name and that you listen to Brazilian Beat, just like Hiroko did. We're super happy about that. Thank you, Hiroko. Also, I have a shout out for Diana Ramirez. It was her birthday since we last, oh. since the oh, last yeah. episode with Erbich. <laughs> so happy birthday, Diana. I'm really happy that you are healthy and you are doing well. And yeah, we're in a Portuguese class together and we are all surviving the pandemic together and putting out podcasts and 
yeah, just keeping the ball rolling. Oh, I thank you. It's been, yeah, uh, yeah uh, it's been a tough year, but a good year in different respects. And hmm. Courtney and I and Sylvia have been able to do lots of great interviews. So that's really exciting and just making lots of great connections. There's so many awesome people out there, you know, trying to do their work. And we just want to help um, spread the love. Yeah. But thank you, Courtney. That was awfully sweet. Yeah. And then I also got a cute little Brazilian beet mug for my birthday. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some People really awesome it. person sent that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the envy of, of Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. So we also wanted to give our usual shout out to all our... Um, all our teachers and all the teachers out there um, offering online classes, please take advantage. A lot of these people are losing so much work um, with this pandemic going on. So we totally recommend doing various classes. As mentioned before, Courtney did a the Blocko 3K workshop um, recently. He, there's still there's more. There's two yeah. more of those coming out. Mm-hmm. So the one this coming week is uh, Kaisha with the mystery. And then the one after that will be Hipiki with uh, Jonas. With Jonas, really? Joan, that's not how, it's like T-J-O-N-E-S, Jonas, 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 not Jonas, not Mestri Jonas. Oh, that's who I thought you meant. Oh. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Joan, Jones, Jonas. I don't know. He's an amazing <laughs> player. I, I can't say his name. He probably can't say mine because <laughs> no Brazilians can say my name. So it's cool. He's awesome in the class yes but please uh if you see any of these opportunities i suggest um totally taking advantage and um supporting your teachers um with these classes yeah you know this pandemic has been awful in many 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 ways of course we all know that but this one thing that's been great about it is that these people who you did not have access to before are now teaching online. Like they never thought they would need to or thought of it as a possibility. And now they're all figuring it out and they're getting pretty good at it. They're getting mm-hmm. pretty good at, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what's a online workshop like? You know, it's definitely slower than it would be if it's in person, right? But but people are getting good. There's a, I've been, get, some of them, people are getting really organized, sending out the material ahead of time. People are practicing and then, you know, you're kind of ready and then they show you stuff on top of that. I mean, people are getting really good at this. So definitely take advantage of this um, it's an excellent chance to learn yeah we have an upcoming uh, episode um, where we kind of talk a little bit about that about switching gears for this pandemic and um, teaching online so just a little teaser for you yeah <laughs> it's but some up. of the people that we recommend would be um, our Portland friend of Portland friend of the podcast Dudu Fuentes and uh, also friend of Portland uh, Pito Giada. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, from Marika to Estela Brianchi. Mm-hmm. Um, Douglas Georgi. Master Junior Sapayo. Ailton Nunes. Oh, uh, Talita's got a new course out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Talita Santos, the Tamborim goddess. Yeah. She's Francis- got a new course out, so check her out. Francisco Machado is doing stuff. Um, so many people out there offering classes, so just just take the time to research you'll find something 
We have links to most of those people we mentioned, I think all of them, at uh, thebrazilianbeat.com slash resources. So they're all listed there. Just keep scrolling down, just keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You'll see all of them. They just all keep coming up. And then the best way to contact them, either it's got their WhatsApp handle, I mean their WhatsApp number, or um, their Twitter or Instagram, whatever. So, so go check it out. And we're not getting paid to say this. <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting free lessons, really. <laughs> uh, All that low. <laughs> hint, hint. Just kidding. So, well, I hope you liked that episode. We had fun talking to Brian. He and um, Derek were really, uh, when I, before I even moved to Portland a long, long time ago, um, I came and took a class uh, at the World Dance Office at Portland State. And um, I don't know if it was Samba or who, I don't know whose course it was but I Brian and Derek were both there and they invited mm-hmm. me to come to both uh, myself and my now husband Charlie to participate uh, in Lions rehearsals and when we finally did we came and uh, attended them and uh, you know just that was kind of a nice easing into this community so mm-hmm. um, it was yes much appreciated from back in the day Brian thank you I just want to say a personal thank you to Brian. He's been a he's been a really encourage encouragement to me. He's been kind of a mentor to me, always kind of pushing me in different directions and in really good ways. So, yeah, I appreciate you, Brian. I appreciate your presence and, and your knowledge. So, thank you. Um, also, we wanted to mention a virtual benefit concert um, for the Beat Goes On. It's a documentary um, by. Joni Fox. Um, this uh, documentary is about our friend um, Derek Reith. Um, and so this virtual um, benefit concert features some of Pink Martini's members, also um, Miguel Barnal, uh, a friend of ours, an Afro-Cuban percussionist who also plays with Pink Martini. So this documentary is, a, is about Derek, the, the person that, that Brian mentioned several times in this episode and, and Diana mentioned earlier. So um, it's it's a documentary about his life and his effect on the Portland music scene. And this is a fundraiser to help Joni finish the documentary. So uh, yeah, go check it out. It's going to be this um, December 3rd. Yeah. December uh, 3rd. And we will post, we did post a link, but I'll post it again on Facebook and on Instagram. And they're only asking a $5 donation, which I thought was not that much. But um, to Dimdia, my roommate told me that people are donating like $500, oh, $200, $20. Like there's no, there's not too many people like giving less than 20. So she's like, it's really doing well. So I was, I was happy to hear that. Yeah, that's awesome. Joni's worked really hard on this. And we know from building this podcast that building anything is difficult. So mm-hmm. um, I just really respect her for getting this done and getting it out there and getting it pushed over the finish line. Yes, great job, Joni. Yes, good work. It's an important story. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate uh, you joining us. Take care out there. Yeah, everybody take care of yourself. Wear your mask, wash your hands, as you know. I'm I'm gonna take that out. I'm not your mom. Do what you want. Thanks, everybody. Ciao. Bye.